Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast, episode 12. I'm delighted to be joined this week by Ben Corrigan of Pouch. And this week's episode is all about helping e-commerce websites to sell more. But before we continue, I should say that although we're talking primarily about e-commerce this week, the principles of conversion, reducing website abandonment, and even working with affiliates are pretty much the same for any service or local business as well. As always, if you enjoy the episode, then feel free to give it a rating and a review on whatever platform you find it. Welcome ninjas and ninjets. Now shopping cart abandonment is a silent killer. Lots of e-commerce businesses put their time and money into getting people onto their sites in the first place, only for the majority of people to either leave or to put items in their basket but not check out. This week's guest, Ben, has spent his life in conversion optimization and reducing this abandonment by tapping into the power of affiliates and voucher codes. If you're an e-commerce business, you're going to absolutely love this week's episode. Ben's uber, uber smart. Welcome to the show, Ben, no pressure. Thank you very much, Tim. (laughs) So first, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you got onto the geeky but exciting world of e-commerce and affiliates. Yeah, sure. After a very short-lived attempt at becoming a lawyer, I decided I wanted to work at a startup. So I joined a company called Yieldify, which I'm sure lots of people would have never heard of. Um, And at the time, it was a very small tech company with about, I think it was about five or six employees, but it ended up becoming one of the most successful performance marketing companies and technology firms in Europe. So if you're not familiar with Yieldify, I'm going to give you a bit of a background on what they do. And if you you probably haven't heard of them, you probably would have experienced their product because it's integrated on thousands of websites. So basically, Yieldify is a JavaScript-based solution which gets integrated onto clients' websites. And from there, it can then monitor a user's mouse movements, their speed, their behavior, determine when they're about to leave the site based on the trajectory of those mouse movements towards certain exit points. And at that point, an overlay appears, usually saying something like continue to buy and get 10% off. You've probably seen this kind of thing before. The cool thing about Yieldify was that the actual content and the copy of those overlays change depending on multiple fields sort of in line with the client's objectives. So, you know, how many times they've visited the site in the past, what items were in the basket, the value of the basket, et cetera, geolocation and, and things like that. But what was really cool about the Yieldify, and coming back to your, <laughs> your question, a very long-winded answer, is that they monetize on the affiliate network model. So basically, when a user clicks on one of these overlays, a cookie drops, and then when that user goes on to make a successful purchase, the affiliate networks then track that sale, and Yieldify has paid a small commission from the retailer. So that allowed the company to scale really fast. It was obviously very good for retailers too, because they only had to pay on performance, which made sort of logical sense for all parties. So the main benefit of Yieldify was, of course, you know, to reduce shopping cart abandonment and increase conversions. So that's sort of how I got into, uh, <laughs> into affiliates. That's super cool. And that ties in quite closely, doesn't it, to what you ended up doing later on. So just, just so I understand, so you've got a, a web store and Yieldify is essentially an affiliate of that web store. When somebody tries to leave the site, Yieldify pops up and says, hey, you don't, not so fast, um, check this out, get a discount or whatever. And then Yieldify gets paid by the store a percentage of the resulting sale. Correct, yeah. So they work with about, I think, I don't know how many now, but about 3,000 retailers when I was there, all the way from Domino's to Marks and Spencer's and everyone in between. And just out of interest, I mean, I think a lot of our listeners are e-commerce companies. 
they maybe assume that when somebody's moving to leave their website, they're pretty much gone. They're, they're gone in their heads anyway. So I guess this is all found traffic. Is this does this make up a significant portion of, of their sales? I mean, Yieldify quickly became one of the biggest publishers in European technology, mainly because they were serving a very important need. You know, website abandonment is a massive problem. Shopping cart abandonment in particular is, I think it's a 70 to 80% depending on the vertical. So they're the most important consumers in the checkout page with items in the basket, 70 to 80% of which are leaving. So, you know, big, big proportion of the sales that uh, Yieldify made, well, a big proportion of the sales for merchants were, were driven by Yieldify, definitely. Thousands of them. That's awesome. And is it just to get these people to buy when they're about to leave? Is it as simple as offering them a voucher code or a discount to just kind of tip the scales in your favor? So, I mean, it really depends on the, on the client's objectives. So sometimes it, the overlay could even include a lead gen element. So enter your email address and then get 10% off. Or it could be, the overlays could be used to get rid of old inventory. So, you know, if you're on Lenovo, for instance, and you're looking at, you know, one of the new pads that they've got, they might want to give you a big discount on one of the last generation Lenovo pads. Um, and just a whole bunch of different campaigns you can run. Sometimes the client's objective would be something like they wanted to hit a certain basket level. So if you spend over 50 pounds, you can get five pounds off your next purchase. So in one campaign, you've then got, you've hit a certain basket level, you've got the transaction, and you've also secured a next purchase as well. So there's a whole raft of things you can do with, with vouchers and incentives, you know, free gifts and items and everything. That's cool. So for for any, you know, moving in stuff that anybody can apply on their e-commerce site, what are some of the most common mistakes that you guys saw with people shopping carts and the layouts, which led to this abandonment happening in the first place? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's multiple reasons for abandonment. There's, as I said, four and five people abandoning shopping baskets. One of the largest reasons is unexpected shipping costs. That's a big problem. So people only find out that their product is like 15 pounds more expensive right at the very end. So I think being more upfront about you know the total cost that the user is going to incur will lead to lower shopping cart abandonment rates. Also being forced to create an account. That's another big problem. So you've probably experienced that before when you're at the checkout page and then you've got to answer like a million questions, none of which appear particularly relevant and just causes people to leave out of frustration. Uh, one of the biggest reasons for abandonment is also payment security concerns, just confusing checkout processes. And then obviously when something close to my heart is, you know, people leaving to search for voucher codes. So when you see a voucher code box on a checkout page, you know, if you're savvy, you'll just leave the website and then Google search for a voucher code. And then only one in three of those people end up returning to the site with a code. So that, yeah, there's a whole, whole bunch of reasons why people abandon baskets. That's really interesting. We'll come back to the voucher codes in a minute because we're going to get really in detail with those. I just wanted to talk about the forcing people to, to sign up for an account because that's something that most e-commerce websites want their customers to sign up for an account. So they've got that data so they can market some in, in the future. And particularly with platforms like WooCommerce or WordPress, that's kind of built in as, as default behavior. One really interesting implementation of this I saw recently was that when you go to buy, the site didn't even offer you the option of registering for an account. Everybody just fills in the same form with the bare minimum of details. Like you said, everything seemed relevant to the purchase. Once you've clicked to purchase, a message came up at the end that said, hey, do you want to keep track of your order and get discounts on future orders? If so, just enter a password here and we'll set up your account. I just thought that's such a neat way of doing it rather than forcing someone to jump over this massive hurdle 
before they even get to the, the purchase decision. Yeah, that's much better. I mean, it's really great when you see a good checkout process and you just wonder why other people aren't doing it. You know, when you're just bombarded with these really long lists of, you know, questions that, that or what some people do wrong is, well, you have to split test these things, but it's when you think you've finished the form and then you get another form and then another form and another form and then that's when people end up leaving. So if they know exactly how many questions they need to fill out to begin with, it will increase conversions as well. Sure, I totally get that. I don't know if you've used the Ocado app on iPhone, but when you finish what what looks like a checkout, you get this page of additional upsells and there's no indication at the top of the page that you've got, you know, you think you finished a checkout, you think your order's complete and this is just a, you know, it's like a one-click upsell after the fact. Actually, the order is not complete. You've got to scroll down the page and click complete order and you've got to do that twice. And there have been three or four times where I've actually, I've thought in my head that I've ordered from them, but actually it hasn't happened. The next day comes, there's no food. It's just because their checkout process is so poor. I think it's something that is just not really registering in people's heads, is it? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. The same thing happened to me with Vistaprint the other day. We were printing out some business cards and some other things. And obviously it's, it's rife for upselling that kind of industry because you could put your logo on pens and t-shirts and whatnot. And I was convinced we completed the purchase. And then it was only like three days later where I went back to Vistaprint because I was wondering where the business cards were and I hadn't pressed the, con- the confirm button, you know, again. So exactly the same problem. Unbelievable. It's crazy that, you know, these guys are internet businesses. They live and die by the, yeah. by the efficiency of their checkout process. It's crazy that they either don't notice or that the value of the upsells makes up for the lost orders. There, there must be something going on that we don't understand, surely. There must be. I mean, a company the size of Vistaprint must have split tested this left, right and center. So maybe I'm just not the right user. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just not intelligent enough to That's buy it. from these companies. That's That's <laughs> not smart enough for Vistaprint. <laughs> so how can somebody tell if they might have a shopping cart abandonment issue? Or, you know, obviously, does everybody have a shopping cart abandonment issue? Yeah, everyone has a, has an abandonment issue. It's just it's just a question of the extent to which you have it. It's a company like Amazon, for instance, is probably as near to perfect checkout process as possible and one of the lowest abandonment rates in e-commerce. But even they'll have some problems, I'm sure. The only way you can really tell is if you test and test and test and test. So there's loads of interesting products out there world-class businesses like Optimizely or Oracle, they'll like split test different conversion funnels. There's even a company called Crazy Egg, which actually heat maps the page so you can see exactly where users are moving, where their mouse movements are, what buttons they're clicking on. And then you can actually start using that data and, and then action on it. So even something small, like changing the color of a button when implemented at scale could you know, lead to dramatic increases in revenue. But you'll only find out until you start trying, you know. So uh, Ocado, if they're, if they're listening, they should probably <laughs> probably split test that funnel, I reckon. Yeah, another test I like to, to run is the mum test, where you say to your mum, hey mum, talk me through this. What are you seeing? Can you do this on this website, please? And it's amazing, not just, you know, not just my mum, but any mum or in fact, anybody who's not familiar, who doesn't spend all day every day using the internet, I'll often run stuff by my wife. I showed my wife a, a website the other day and I asked her where the menu was on the website and it was clearly at the top, but it was arranged slightly differently. So she just completely missed it and said, oh, there's no menu on this page. Well, because, oh, that section looks like an address, like it looked like an address from a letter. So she assumed that, you know, it's like a letter layout rather than, 
it's crazy how people who don't spend all day every day on computers just they see things in a completely different or rather we see things in a completely different way and we're missing stuff which is completely you know obvious to to them but we just we just we're looking for it all day i guess yeah no exactly couldn't agree with you more i'd do exactly the same thing with my mum we actually launched our new website last monday our site before was just abysmal but that was because of our website designers yeah again exactly the same she noticed a couple of things that i thought were were i didn't even notice because you know you're so in it you know um you you need a a wider perspective totally yeah couldn't agree more well um we're going to take a short break now but when we come back we're going to talk about voucher codes ben's been using voucher codes um, with great effect and his new company is all about voucher codes so stay tuned Interested in learning more about digital marketing and want to access the latest ninja strategies? The Exposure Ninja blog is where we share some of our coolest stuff. So if you want to see behind the scenes of some real-life marketing campaigns, find out what's working for us on the front line and keep up to date with the latest in digital marketing, head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash blog. We update it regularly, at least twice a week. So if you want to learn more about websites, SEO, pay-per-click, social, Facebook ads, or anything else digital marketing, then head over and subscribe at ExposureNinja.com forward slash blog. Welcome back. Uh, Let's change tack a little bit now, Ben. I want to talk about voucher codes because that's what you're doing now with Pouch. Most people's voucher codes is, or most people's experience of voucher codes is we see a voucher code box on a website like Vistaprint. We think, oh, maybe I'm being stupid by paying full price. We head over to Google, search for Vistaprint voucher code, and then hopefully come back. From an e-commerce company's perspective, why would they even have that voucher code box? Because surely they're just risking me leaving. And how can they use that to increase sales? I mean, it's a bit of a chicken and egg answer, to be honest. Like, you know, it it harks back to why do companies even issue voucher codes in the first place? And some brands don't. Um, Some companies refuse to work with voucher codes because it makes them seem tacky or lowers their sort of brand image or value. And other companies heavily discount all the time. You know, Pizza Express is a great example. You would never go to Pizza Express without a voucher code. It's become part of their entire branding. But the problem is, if you decide to go down the route of issuing voucher codes, you need the voucher code box. And so it's kind of a necessary evil. These websites spending millions of pounds driving users to their sites, millions of pounds optimizing their sites for conversions, and then this huge gaping hole where people are leaving to search for codes. There's not a lot of data on the percentage of shopping cart abandonment due to voucher code hunting, but it's certainly about 20 to 25%. Wow, that's crazy high. So why do these companies even want voucher codes in the first place? What, what does it allow them to track? You know, as I was kind of saying before, you can use voucher codes to offload inventory. Um, you can do it to reach certain basket levels, you know, continue to buy and get 10% off if you spend over £100. But also it just gives you a lot of reach. So a lot of, you know, these voucher code sites do drive traffic, do, do drive organic traffic through the affiliate network ecosystem to websites. Not as much as they claim, but they do. So for a lot of businesses, voucher code websites are a very important source of traffic, you know, particularly at seasonal events, Cyber Monday, yesterday, and Black Friday, of course. You know, people looking for voucher codes left, right, and center. It was absolutely manic at Pouch. And so there's a whole bunch of different reasons why, why retailers would use voucher codes. Cool. You mentioned affiliate networks there. So many of our listeners will be new to the world of affiliates. Perhaps you could talk a bit about how affiliate networks work and how they kind of tie in with voucher codes. 
affiliate networks are basically the companies that provide the tracking and facilitate the payments between merchants or retailers and hundreds of thousands of publishers. So kind of the best way I could describe affiliate network is to use a real world example. So say you run a small blog about male fashion, right? And you write an article about a new jacket that Marks and Spencers has just released. So you write this blog and then you put a link to marksandspencers.co.uk and then that user who's reading your blog clicks on that link, goes to Marks and Spencers and buys that jacket. You then get a commission of the resulting basket value on Marks and Spencers. So you might get 10%, right? That'll be in the, what's called the affiliate network program. So you, as a publisher, as the blog owner, sign up to the Marks and Spencers affiliate program. And then that, that allows you to write about Marks and Spencers, put links for Marks and Spencers in your articles, and then get compensated when one of your readers buys something from Marks and Spencers. So the user spends £100. If you get 10% commission, you get £10. The reason why affiliate networks exist is to... Is for, so brands can encourage publishers like you to write about you know, their, their, their products. So that's also now going back to your first question about voucher codes, why that comes in. Marks and Spencers might you know, w- want to encourage you, the blog owner, to you know, write about them. And they know that a discount is going to sit really well with your, with your users. And you're more likely to write about Marks and Spencers 20% off discount code because you know it's more likely to result in commission for you because it's a, a user is more likely to buy the product at a discount. See how that works? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. So let's say that I'm an Instagram influencer and I buy a particular product from a, a certain store. And I have a relationship with that store that says, hey, it means I can go to my Instagram followers and say, hey, go and go to marksandspencers.com and use voucher code Tim Cool, and you'll get 10% off. And then Marks and Spencers also knows that that sale has come from me. So it knows to pay me the commission, right? Exactly. And, and Marks and Spencers are able to manage hundreds of thousands of different relationships all at once. So rather than having to speak to every single blog owner or Instagram in, influencer, you know, one by one, they just set up a program and all those people can come to them and apply to their program and agree to the pre-existing commission rates uh, and the networks of the people that track all of those cookies and facilitate all of those payments. So, it's, you know, it's pretty sophisticated technology, you know, but it, but it allows these businesses to, to work at scale. And there's all sorts of different types of publishers you can work with. So cashback sites, voucher code websites, blogs, social media um, influencers, you know, different technology products like Yieldify. It's a pretty like varied ecosystem now. So as an e-commerce site owner, let's say that I want to tap into the power of affiliates. I want these people to be writing about me. I want the Instagram influencers to, to share out my products and send voucher codes. How do I get started in this world? How do I find the best people to promote my products? Yeah, so I mean, it's a relatively difficult question to answer because obviously it depends on product line. You know, first you need to get set up with a, an affiliate account, uh, an affiliate network that requires some degree of integration, usually about two weeks and the setup fee. And then there's about seven to eight major UK affiliate networks, which you can choose from. They're more or less similar in terms of their, the, the core technology. They, they are different, different in the way that they report, but usually it's pretty similar. And then you need to determine how you're going to encourage people to write about your brand, which is your question, right? So you've got several things you can do. One, you can make the commission rates really inviting. So gambling companies, for instance, pay out ridiculous commissions. That's why you see so many gambling pop-ups. Because if I, you know, make a banner ad on my blog and it's for gambling and you click on it and you, and you, get an, and a, you deposit money into a William Hill account, for instance, 
I'll make 250 quid from that. So the, the gambling companies really highly incentivize people to promote their products. So through large commission rates. Another way you can do it is like we said before, using voucher codes. Because if you're doing voucher codes, people are more likely to make commission from their content because they, their readers or followers are more likely to buy because of the voucher code. So then it becomes a question of your margins. You know, what, what margins do you have? What can you afford? Obviously, fashion has very high profit margins. Um, so they're able to do ridiculous discounts like 20, 30% off. But some people, some retailers don't. So again, it really depends on like what your theoretical e-commerce business is. I think 5,000 people just went off to start gambling blogs so that they could drive <laughs> traffic to William Hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, so we, we sign up for an affiliate network like, for example, Commission Junction. We set a percentage of what we're happy to pay out for that first sale, which we might be willing to go negative or we might be willing to break even on that first sale because then we get a customer and then we can resell to them. And then affiliates who find our offer will will start to promote us. So Let's talk about Pouch, which is which is what you're doing now. Maybe you could kind of give an intro on into what Pouch is all about. Yeah, just 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 before I do that, was one other thing I was going to mention as well is that you can actually tier your different commission structures based on performance of a publisher. So, for instance, take Vodafone; they have lots of different products, pay as you go, contract, whatever. So, depending on the actual products that you that you get people to, to buy through your as a, as a publisher, you can get different commission rates, and then also. You know, you might get 10% if you get, you know, between one and a hundred sales, but if you might get 12% for every sale after that. So we actually encourage people to promote more of your products by giving them, you know, higher commission rates on performance as well. So that's one, that's another way you can uh, work with affiliate networking. Cool. So, sorry, just before we go back to Pat, these super affiliates who are getting real high tier commissions from these companies, what's the sort of earning potential that these guys can, can reach? Oh, I mean, it's a pretty open-ended question. You know, I mean, the voucher code websites make, you know, tens of millions of pounds. They, they drive hundreds of millions of pounds of, of, uh, of transactions. They also make a lot of money by just selling, like, homepage space. So say it's like Valentine's Day, Interfloor will pay a ridiculous amount of money to be on the homepage of myvouchercodes.co.uk. So there's lots of different ways of earning income, sort of, you know, proxy to the affiliate ecosystem. But yet, but, you know, people make a living uh, affiliate marketing, resellers, particularly things like website hosting, those kind of things, you, you know, you, you can certainly make a very comfortable living, you know, working just in affiliates. Sweet. Okay, so back to Pouch, maybe give a bit of an intro into what Pouch is all about. Yeah, sure. So, so Pouch is a free browser extension that is designed to save users time and money. So we automatically find and display the best voucher codes as you shop online on over 3000 UK stores which means that you never have to visit a voucher code site again. So the problem with it solving is, you know, you're on the website, you've added all the items to your basket, and then you see the, do you have a coupon code? And then the first thing you do is you leave the site, you then Google search, you wind up on one of these homogenous voucher code websites. Experience is kind of clunky and fractured. Then you find a promo code, you go back to the site, it doesn't work, and you're frustrated. It's not good for anyone. It's not good for the uh, website or the retailers because of uh, they're driving users away from their site and then giving them a really bad experience that they, that they can't retain any control over. And it's really bad for users. So yeah, we just sit in the top right-hand corner of the browser, notify our users when we have voucher codes for the site that they're on. And all they need to do is click on our icon and then a list of the voucher code websites appears. 
and then they just click on one of the codes. It automatically applies to the, ch to the checkout page. And just, you know, because we've been talking about affiliates, the way that we make money is when a user clicks on one of our promo codes and then goes on to make a successful purchase, we're awarded a commission of the overall basket value by the retailer through the affiliate network tracking. So as an internet user who's buying stuff online, I totally get, I, I can't, in fact, I can't understand why anybody would not use Pouch because if I'm going to buy from a store anyway, I may as well get an up-to-date voucher code from Pouch, which is going to save me thousands of pounds a year, right? As an e-commerce company, why would I want to appear on Pouch? This person was about to purchase for me anyway, and now they've just had a voucher code which is going to save them a bunch of money, and now all of a sudden, I'm paying Pouch when maybe I was going to get that sale anyway. Yeah, you sound like every investor we've spoken to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. We've actually, we, we managed to close our round, which was good. I'm playing no. devil's advocate. Yeah, I know no, the no, no, of course. And look, and it's, and it's, the most co it's the most common assumption and the most common objection. Strangely, not from retailers. It's from people who aren't retailers who assume that's how retail retailers feel. I mean, when I was at Yieldify, I was confronted with exactly the same problem. You know, people would say, wait, you want me to pay you for giving a discount to a user that was already on my site? You must be mad, right? <laughs> but but all, all you need is a little bit of data. The, the value is proven. You know, while users are people that will not buy without a voucher code. So, and, and, and also, it kind of doesn't matter what the retailers think because we're a browser extension. So we're not integrated on these websites. We sit in the browser. So we can technically do and say whatever we want to our users. There's a browser extension out there that removes the name Donald Trump from any news article, right? It has the power to do that. Um, so, you know, we don't need retailers' permission to, you know, give voucher codes to our users. We do, of course, need their permission to monetize that. So the way that we kind of add more value or incremental value is then augmenting the transaction data with interesting user information, all anonymous, of course, all anonymized. So because we're a browser extension, we can see a user's entire user journey. So what website they were on before and before that, their propensity to buy, you know, where they have bought in the past, you know, how old they are. And so sitting down with retailers and then leveraging that unbridled access to data to negotiate highly targeted exclusive discounts for our users. So then the retailers get to target the users that they want. They get to decrease their shopping cart abandonment. The users get a more seamless experience and it's all paid on performance. So it's a kind of a win-win-win for everyone involved, which is a, a nice business to be a part of, to be honest. So you're saying that it doesn't matter whether or not as a retailer I like Pouch. If I'm using voucher codes, then Pouch is going to work on my website. It's just if I get into bed with you guys properly, then you can give me some data about my customers, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Cool. So as a retailer, can you find me more of my perfect customers? Can you tell me some information about them and then go out and find me some more of them? Absolutely. I mean, that's the most, that's probably the most important part, important part of what we do. If you're a retailer and you're looking to target students, you know, we've got thousands of students using our platform, you know, and if maybe you have a particular discount on a HP laptop that you only want to give to students and they have to have a NUS email address, you know, we can facilitate that. So non-students won't see the same promo code in pouch. So it's not uh, this kind of spray and pray attitude that most businesses have towards voucher codes, which is, oh, let's give everyone a 20% off discount. It can actually be, oh, I've got margin to give this particular user a 23% discount, or I don't have the margin to give this user anything more than 15%, for instance. So by actually sitting down and understanding the client's 
or the merchant's objectives and their KPIs, what types of users they want to target and their margins, we can be very targeted with our deals and offers so that everyone in the ecosystem gets benefit. Perfect. That's awesome. Ben, thank you so much. It's been a really interesting episode. I think um, going to be a, a lot of interest to not only e-commerce websites, but also anybody who's who's got any kind of conversion funnel. And hopefully there's some stuff there that they can uh, they can use to improve their, their checkout of their free lead generator, in, in fact. So thank you very much for joining us. I hope you've had a good time and I look forward to talking to everyone next week. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tim. It was a great chat.